Welcome to a fine time for healing, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. Today, I have with us the amazing Susan Schofer. Um, Susan is a dear friend of mine. She's a colleague and an outstanding divorce coach. She's renowned worldwide for the powerful TED Talk she gave on parental alienation, which you can see on YouTube. As a divorce and custody ally, she helps women and men navigate the troubled waters of a family breakup by sharing her own organized and pragmatic approach to the divorce process. Susan successfully crossed her own highly contentious divorce and post-divorce battle and was triumphant in her fight against parental alienation. Susan is the author of The Divorce Recovery Ladder and a forthcoming book about parental alienation. She's a former PI, private investigator, and she has an MBA from Johns Hopkins University and a BA from University of Maryland in Ancient Studies, Archaeology, and Classics. Uh, good morning, Susan. Welcome. Thank you. I love being with you today. And congratulations on your podcast. This is fabulous. Your set is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I'm a detail person, so I looked through hundreds of sets till I figured out what I liked. Anyway, um, today we're going to be talking about high conflict divorce. And we know not everyone else does. This is why we're educating them. But we know that every divorce with a narcissist is going to be high conflict. Can you explain why that is? Well, again, let me start off with, I'm not a clinician, but I am a longtime agency licensed private investigator, a couple decades, and a longtime divorce coach. And I'm also a certified divorce coach. And I always notice that when there are high conflicts, that there's something going on with the person who's creating the conflict. It's just, you know, normal people, when I say normal, and I say that very blanket, it's a very paintbrush commentary but most divorces start off with two people who are really hurt they're sorry that things didn't work out a little bit of fur may fly some arguments but at some point they really come to the rationalization and i say rationalization that they just want to go their own ways many times they'll choose to mediate they don't want to spend a lot of time with attorneys or money with attorneys and they definitely want to protect the mental physical, spiritual well-being of their children through this process. With a high-conflict divorce, we don't have that. We have one person who really wants the same things I just mentioned. And then we have another person who just wants to create drama. They don't care how much it costs. Very often, they have the upper hand financially. They can have this gravy train going for a long time. They don't care. I mean, that's sort of like, just don't care. They want what they want, what they want, whatever that is. And they don't care what they have to do to get it. And oftentimes that is to hurt the other person. And interesting enough, when my clients come to me and they're the ones that are being, you know, assaulted this way, they'll say, I don't understand why they're doing this. They cheated on me. They left the marriage. Why are they doing this? I would think they would be happy. Not necessarily. So something else is going on. And it usually kind of falls into kind of personality disorder. And again, I'm not a clinician. It could be narcissistic, avoidant, antisocial, the clusters, you know, but 
normal people won't go to the extent that these people will go to to hurt the other person right normal people want it to be over they don't want it prolonged there's already enough pain and emotion that goes with it they don't want to have more drama um so you know i completely agree with you and but they tend to give a different impression before the papers are served right and, <laughs> and and so can you talk about what that impression is that throws people who are getting ready to go into these um divorces when you say the people you mean the other side the person who's being well yeah. typically what they will say is you know i you know i i the normal language uh i want this to be over i don't want to hurt you you don't want to hurt me and of course that's not the case and when people come to me early on i ask some very pointed questions a lot of times they're like why, why are you asking me that starting with you know who precipitated this what kind of attorney does your spouse have of attorney do you have if you have one yet so that i can get an idea of what's really going on here and when my clients say i just i just want this to be over especially when they come to me which is when many people come to me when they're on their third or fourth attorney this has been going on for 18 months two years three years and they say i just want this to be over but the other person is holding the strings to this they're not providing financials they're not bringing the children home on time. You know, whatever it is that they're doing to drag this on, they're the ones who are doing it. So, and I hear a lot of people say to me, well, I brought this up and we talked about it. And my other, my spouse, who now we're going to refer to as someone who has a personality disorder, um, my spouse said, you know what? We can do this amicably. We don't need a lawyer. Um, we can work this out. I know this is your house. This is where you've raised the children. I'm going to make sure you get the house and you keep the house. And you're going to, I'm going to pay for your health insurance and everything. So your life and your and the children's lives are going to continue as usual. And so then the spouse who let's refer to as the victim here, um, basically goes, oh, that's going to be so easy. But it's not, is it? Okay. <laughs> that's a loaded question, loaded comment. Uh, we, you know, when people come to me, the first thing they say to me is, I'm divorcing a narcissist. You know, I'm a high conflict divorce. You know, that's my my jam, parental alienation. So that's that's what I see pretty consistent. And most of the attorneys I work with or I refer to have said to me, if I hear one more person say they're divorcing a narcissist, I'm going to go through the roof. So I like them to not say that. And I don't know if the person they're divorcing is a narcissist. I don't know. I'm not a clinician. But I start to hear patterns. And there are very specific patterns. And one of the patterns are uh, the marriage has been bad for a long time. These are not marriages that just go, you know, it's a one night thing, something happened. Usually my clients will say things like this has been going on for 10 years. My marriage was horrible for 30. He was great for the first two years. He's been horrible or she, you know, I'm just going to say he for example, say, you know, but the first two years were great, but then it just got bad, you know, for 10, 12, 14. I don't know. I have a client now it's been 50 years, you know, so, and I've seen that. 
Um, but what typically happens is if you if you are divorcing somebody with this kind of personality disorder and you say, I'm going to divorce you, you must follow through. Do not make that statement unless you're going to follow through because what typically happens, not all the time, but most of the time, they will become very remorseful. They will promise you the moon and stars. So that vacation you always wanted, suddenly you're going to see it with tickets in hand. That pool you wanted to put in the backyard that he or she didn't want for 20 years, construction starts tomorrow. And you think everything's okay. And maybe they, they decide to go to therapy with you. You know, therapy you wanted, couples counseling for 10 years. You think everything is going along really well. And then you get served papers or they kind of drop the bomb on you three, four, five months later. Things aren't really working out. What you don't realize is that during this period where you thought things were working out, they were strategizing. Now they have a really great attorney. Maybe a, a bank accounts have been bled or drained. Many times if they're in their own business, buyer beware. You will notice that there's new pe people employed by them or they've employed family members so that they can show a reduced salary. So child support and or spousal support, AKA alimony, can be reduced. You may notice they made a big purchase. I had a client whose husband bought a $150,000 big monster pickup truck a month before. <laughs> I was like, oh, well. And he now is showing, you know, he has a bunch of stores, but he's showing like this really tiny salary. She goes, what, what happened here? And my question was, any new employees? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> it's pretty textbook. And so that that happens a lot. And so you've been harmed once, you know, or the, we, you use the term victim, has been harmed once. This is really tough. This is a tough place, especially if they've been conflicted out with getting counsel. And explain what that is. Okay. So you want to get a divorce and you start to interview attorneys. When you call an attorney's office, they'll take pertinent information from you. Your name, your spouse's name, how many children, how long you've been married, where you work, just general information and they put it in their database. You may have a consult with them, you may not, doesn't matter. Now you're in the database. If your spouse calls them to interview them, to use them for counsel, you're already in there and they can't, they can't hire, they, your spouse can't hire that attorney because that's called a conflict of interest. And in some states, I know here, you can't even hire anybody in the office. If you've, if you've given that information and there's five attorneys, you can't hire any of them. Right. So often what will happen, and I've seen this and it's really heartbreaking. You've been loved. I call this love bomb number two. <laughs> you've right. been love bomb number two. You promised the world. And then you go to get counsel and you can't. And this is tough if you're in a rural area, five or six attorneys, eight attorneys. Now you're starting to go out of that area. You may not be able to find an attorney who can represent you in your, your, your jurisdiction. Really tough. Wow. Now, so the word high conflict means, you know, sometimes we think high conflict means both sides, but that terminology really only refers to the high conflict person because we know that people who have these personality disorders, such as narcissistic personality disorder, they do have high conflict personalities. And 
all through the time that someone's with them through a marriage or any relationship, it's always been a conflicting kind of relationship. So we're talking about it really being the so-called narcissist or the antagonist who is the high conflict person, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and the reason why these cases get very challenging and I've spoken to a lot of attorneys and remember I've been in the court system a long time, <laughs> sat in the courtroom a long time, testified a long time, been in the hot seat for a long time. And so the, the visual is, okay, this person creates high conflict. The other person, the victim responds and reacts, ergo does. Then the other person, you know, the person creating the conflict re responds, reacts, and does something. And it goes like this. So they always say, like, not always, but they'll say things like, well, the high conflict has escalated. And very often the person who's being victimized just wants to be left alone. But they appear as though they're high conflict too because they're constantly reacting instead of acting. Okay. They're sense. always on the defensive mm -hmm. instead of just saying and being on the offensive. Right. Wow. Good point. You know, I never thought about it that way. Um, yeah. Thank you for clearing that up. And you're, you're absolutely right, because we know that these people get us to react. And then it, it's it, it, there's no way out. It becomes a conflict because you're trying to, uh, you know, take care of yourself, protect yourself, defend yourself, and they're making you feel guilty and it's just this whole mess. So I, that makes perfect sense to me. What is the difference between a family law, marital law attorney and a high conflict attorney? Well, in my experience, there's a lot of family law attorneys or divorce attorneys. One that who specializes in, in um, high conflict understands the dynamics. One of the sad parts about what I see is people who come to me who feel like they're being bullied by their spouse and they're not being understood by their attorney. And sometimes they feel as though they're on the defensive with their attorney. They'll say things like, don't you understand what's happening? I'm trying to tell you, listen, listen. And their attorney says, I get it, yeah. but they really kind of don't. <laughs> and that doesn't make them bad attorneys. That doesn't make them bad attorneys at all. This is very specialized. This is a very specialized uh, part of family law. And there's some fabulous attorneys who you don't have to say anything to. They get it. They get it. And not only do they get it, they know how to litigate. They know how to bring down the as much as you can. Remember, and this is a big one. You are never going to change the person who's creating this. This is who they are. No different than, you know, I'm five foot four inches. I like to be five eight. <laughs> A pair of heels may help that. But when those shoes come off, I'm still five four. Cannot change that person. They can be lovely in the courtroom, and many times they are. <laughs> many times they come in, you know, those four C's, and I add a fifth one in there, you know, calm, cool, collective, collective charming, conniving. And so they just charm the pants off of everybody. And you're over here. You're just, what? Did he just say that? Or did she just say that? That's a lie. That's not okay. And, and in the eyes of the court, 
Somebody looks like they've got it together. And then somebody over here looks like they're off the wall. And you're just re they're just reacting to have this constant attack. When you have counsel who really gets that, right? settle down. They've got your back. <laughs> You've got it, right? Yeah, I've heard situations where, you know, this, this scenario that you explained is actually happening. And the other side is just throwing all kinds of stuff, lies and things at this person. And their lawyer is sitting there and they're going, why don't you say something, say something, say something. And they don't. And the, the other side wins. And um, that is maddening. And this will happen because uh, lawyers who don't get it don't often say that they don't get it, do they? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe they do and maybe they don't. I, I have talked to attorneys who have said, don't give me those cases. I don't want any part of it. And I've had clients who said, that's not nice for them to do. I go, it's wonderful that for them to do that. You don't want them to get into a situation where they're over their head because you will pay the price for that. You know, it's no different. And I've given this analogy before. If let's say you're born with, I don't know, let's say some kind of heart defect, it's not going to kill you but maybe you get a little out of breath and you've had it your whole life and your doctor says, you know, we've got this guy around the corner, a woman around the corner. She deals with this some of the time and you go to this doctor and the doctor goes, yeah, I'm a pulmonologist. I see this sometimes and you know, I have this treatment and you feel better 80% of the time. But then you find out that there's somebody in the next town over, the next state over across the country. This is all they do. They've got it down like the science. They have a protocol, treatment, medication, maybe diet, and they have a real high success rate, like 99% in a heartbeat, you know exactly where you would go. And I think the same analogy applies to finding counsel who really understands this, doesn't just tell you they do, but, but they understand it. And when I work with clients and who are looking for an attorney this way, I have a bunch of questions that I have, them, you know, handful of questions for them to ask and the answers to get, not just the questions, but the answers. Right. And, um, you know, and also in my experience with clients, I've seen that when they can't handle it or they realize that they're over their head, they ask their client to settle. They tell them they have really, there's no more wiggle room. There's nothing else that they can do and you really need to settle. And that can be very confusing because you're trusting your lawyer and you think, well, this is the law. There is no, I have no wiggle room here. Um, but to me, when a attorney says that, that, that could very well be an indication that they're over their head and they just want out. It's possible. I mean, there's all, it, I, it, many times when I'm working with clients, I'll ask them questions about their case. They're like, I really don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Like, how come you don't know? <laughs> you should know. You should be informed. You are the consumer. You're paying them. And there's a job that needs to be done. And what I want for all my clients is just get through this. I don't want them to be professional litigants. These kind of divorces are very time consuming in a lot of ways. They're time bandits, actual time bandits. They're emotional bandits, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and they are <clears throat> spiritually draining. I, I, I see people lose weight, gain weight. Mm -hmm. I see them 
age rapidly just within months because they feel like they have to be on this morning, noon, and night, and they shouldn't. They're paying an attorney to handle this and to come to them consistently and let them know what's going on. They are the consumer. This is When you're going through something like this, this will paint the rest of your life. What happens with the children? What happens with the support? What happens with your property? This is a big event. It doesn't have to ruin your life. Right. But there's a way to navigate so that you do get on the other side. I'm, I've seen divorces go on for five or six, seven years. That's it. I hate to say it, guys. I just think that's insane. Right. I mean, you could get a, a, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and start working on a dissertation. <laughs> By that point. Yeah, that's a, a long time. And that really wears on somebody for that period of time. Oh, my gosh. It does. Um, it's dreadful, especially when you're opposing... Uh, somebody who's determined to ruin you. They want to ruin you. They want to take all your money. They want to make sure you're broke, that you can't defend yourself. They want to take your children, perhaps, and maybe take your property. And, you know, they want to win, 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 because that's the type of, um, of opponent you're up against. Their goal is to win and destroy you and exhaust you exhaust you yeah and and my clients will often say to me he or she would never do that to me and i have to say yeah they will you haven't thought we're already doing it right you haven't already doing it yet (laughs) and you haven't seen the demon come out yet (laughs) but when those papers are filed that's when the switch happens and you're going to see it all. So let's prepare. But a lot of people don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. They don't want to believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because they'll spend the first maybe 10 minutes of our first session telling me all the horrors. And I only allow 10 minutes. That's it. We cut it off. Okay. <laughs> because the triggers are all over the place. But then I'll hear. You know, they're not that bad. They really have a good side. It's, I mean, I know, I know they cheated on me four or five times, but, but he, here's why I gained like 15 pounds with the third child. I don't see the connection. <laughs> they've been given that connection. And so, even though all of these things, the litany of things that they've presented that have been so horrible, and many of them are pretty bad, how do we then flip over to? They really have a good side. Maybe they do. It's the side they show you. But what I do know is there's a predictability in the behaviors through the divorce. I see a, a very consistent pattern that with the high conflict person that doesn't have a lot of wiggle room. It's pretty, I don't want to say it's etched in stone, but we almost know where they're going with these things. Right. Exactly. Yes. It, it's very predictable, as is all behavior. And, you know, and I'm going to say narcissist because um, this is my specialty. This is my expertise. And these are the clients that I deal with. So if you're dealing with a narcissist, um, there's there's no uh, deviation from this pattern. And I know you and I both know that they're very predictable in their behavior. And when you're outside of it, looking in, 
it's crystal clear when you're in the middle of it and you're brainwashed you can't see the truth and this is why you're flip-flopping all the time you see one thing then you see the other because you've been taught or trained or conditioned or programmed groomed to only see the good in that person so it's very hard to break free of that when uh what happens in these high conflict situations when there are children? <sighs> well, remember we talked about healthy about a half an hour ago. We said healthy situations, people care about the children. <clears throat> in a high conflict situation, you said the word narcissist, so I'll follow suit with right. that. Mm -hmm. They don't care. I always say to people, they don't really care. They're now using the child to hurt the other parent. Bottom line. And they will do a myriad things and I could give you a laundry list I won't of the horrible things people have done to their children under the guise of I love my children more than anything and I have to protect my children from this terrible person who has never done anything wrong to these kids and the things they've done are stunning stunning this is where I always say I'm always surprised <laughs> but not like it doesn't elude me, but it is just stunning what they are willing to do to their children to hurt that parent. And then we have the garden variety of the kids say, I don't want you to come to my graduation. I don't want you to be there. If you're there, I'll make a scene. Or, you know, I hate you. You're trying to poison me. Or, you know, you gave your child cough medicine. You want to turn me into a drug addict. I mean, all the things. And then the other parents are like, well, yeah, look, you know, you what you're doing to our kids, the terrible things you're doing, gave them cough medicine off the shelf, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And so they'll, they'll do just about anything. I've seen people move children to another city without telling the other parent and then having the children not tell that parent. I, I've seen parents put kids on planes and take them out of state on boats to get them offshore. <sighs> You know, and it's very rare in in my observation of people going through this, for this not to happen. There's going to be some level mm -hmm. of alienation for the most part, because when the narcissist can no longer control you, they control how others see you. Mm -hmm. That's their next, that's their default. Well, not just, not just you, you're not just the kids, but you're, I, I have so many clients who have said to me, my ex is going to church with my mom or is now best friends with my sister, my yeah. sister who he didn't even acknowledge when we were married. So not only you're correct, not only is it how your children start to see you, but what about those around you? You know, in normal, think about normal divorces, normal divorces, you go your way, you go, they, he or she goes their way. And unfortunately, some of the collateral damages, like you don't see ex mother and former mother-in-laws or father-in-laws, and that's sort of a given. We just know people move on. Now, in the case of the children, your ex-spouse will, of course, take them to see grandma and grandpa or aunts and cousins. But you sort of stay out of that. You may give a nice wave when you drop the kids off. But when you have high conflict, suddenly, the one who's, and it's pretty sudden, is calling your former college mates, calling people you went to high school with. They're worried about you. They think something's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> or they start to 
cozy up to your family under the guise. And I've seen this many times. I'm so worried about, I'm so worried about my, my, my wife and my ex and they get them all worried. And it, it really does now, now not only are they creating false narratives about you, but now they have your support team or who should be your support team. It can be very lonely. You can lose your support team. And so um, based on what you said before, the best thing to do is not to preempt, not to let them know what you're planning on doing. Even though that urge to say, I hate you, I don't like the way you treat me, I'm leaving you, I'm divorcing you. But most people that do that have said it over and over throughout the years. And it's taken them maybe 20 years to finally get to the point where they will actually consider doing it. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't want to say those things, do we? No. <laughs> um, and and they're, they become veiled threats. But also think back and I'll ask somebody, you've been saying this for 20 years. What kind of relationship is that? You know, let's, let's look, let's look behind like, what what is you know that's just stunning you know that you spend you know the person you're supposed to love your partner best friend two people who lean in the same of everything together you're fighting with them and threatening divorce for 20 years i have a very interesting story to share that happened when i when i first became a divorce coach a woman reached out to me she was getting divorced they'd been married 27 years so i you know when i hear people's stories i kind of figure out some questions to ask them. And so I said, tell me about your vacations with your husband. And she goes, well, every year we take one vacation, but then we also visit his parents once a year. So we have two, but we visit his parents because they live on the West Coast. So okay, so tell me about your vacations. And the answer was, well, we always go wherever he wants to go. Normal, healthy couples typically agree on something or if they don't, I know couples have said we put five locations in the bag, like we pick one, you know, and then whatever one we pick, or every evening where he wants to go, every evening we go where she wants to go. But in this case, it was always where he wanted to go. And she had said to him over the years, she'd like to go to Paris, France. That was like her big dream. And he wouldn't go, he just refused. So on their 25th anniversary, he decided he's going to take her to Paris, France. But wait, not so lucky. They get on the plane. The minute the plane started to go down the runway, he chose not to speak to her anymore. So they got into Paris. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm choking on that one, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get a drink on that one. (laughs) I know. In my water, too. Then they get in the airport. They're at Charles de Gaulle Airport. She doesn't speak French. And here's all the baggage. And she said to him, help me with the luggage. And he goes, no, you wanted to go to France. You move it. The rest of the trip was a nightmare. If they had to wait in a restaurant, it was her fault. They went to go to the Louvre Museum and there was some kind of exhibit. There was a line. He made a scene in the line. It was her fault. She couldn't wait to get home. Now, that happened at their 25th, and I call it the narcissistic pout, which is basically passive-aggressive behavior, although he was aggressive during the, the, um, uh, the trip. Now, this is two years before, so she's been married 27 years, and I said, why did you wait? Two more years, not, you know, not putting any responsibility on her. She goes, well, I was hoping he would change. And I go, when? For 24 years, you always did what he wanted to do. 
didn't matter if, I mean, she hates snow skiing. He dragged her to ski slopes. Yeah, It didn't matter. He always got his way. This one instance, he just, and, and he waited. Listen, if this wasn't strategic, I don't know what. He waited. I mean, he was normal, as more normal as he could be, until they're down the runway. You know, the doors, the camera, you can't get off. <laughs> You're going to and, France. <laughs> Say la vie, right? And so, <laughs> but the piece of this that is really disturbing is this is what he did to her. A normal, healthy person. Let's say they could never afford this trip. And on the 25th, he's so happy. He presents her with tickets. And I said that to her. The, the normal guy would have made this trip for you. Heaven. You would have thought you were the queen of the world. And instead... He made it as miserable as he could for you. And I've heard this story repeated, not, I mean, in, in different variations. Right. So what do we call that? That's not love. That's contempt. That's cruelty. Yes. That's control. I'm going to control how you feel on this trip. I'm giving it to you, but you're not going to like it because I'm going to control how you feel. You're going to, you're going to rue the day you asked for this. Yeah. And her, the whole time, the two weeks they were there, she just prayed to come home. Oh, gosh. And it, from that point on, she's basically conditioned to never ask for anything again because look what happens if she gets it. I mean, so that just bottles her up even more. It, she's not going to challenge him. She's not going to ask. And, it, and you get more and more, uh, you get smaller and smaller you know, inside mm -hmm. yourself and um, you just lose your zest for life because it's not worth it. And these people will do this. And, and I've talked to clients before, like around trips with kids. They'll plan trips and then they cancel them last minute. And the kids are crying and everything. And they get like, I don't know why they would do that to the kids. And I'm like, supply, they're loving every minute of this. They love watching these kids cry. They love knowing, no? No, yes, I'm just, I'm, I'm sympathizing. I'm empathizing. I'm going, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, they just, <laughs> and so I hear consistently, Susan, I don't understand. How could they? I go, well, because your brain doesn't work this way. Of course you don't understand. Right, because the last thing you want to do is shroud your children's vacation with this drama. How many times have they done this? Oh, every time we go away. Okay. And they're going to do it every time in the future. The best prediction of future behavior is past performance. They're not going to go into change because you hope, pray, wish, want. They're who they are. So, so what would you say to someone who is in that mindset? And I know you just kind of said it, but if somebody's like going, yeah, that's me, you know, I really wanted to do this for years and years, but now I'm listening to this podcast and I'm listening to Susan Schofer, and now I realize I'm, this is not going to be easy and I don't know if I can get through this because I'm already beaten way down. So what would you say to somebody that's feeling like that? Well, if you're looking to get a divorce, I think you need a team. And I, and I say this pretty consistently 
I think you need a therapist, Randy, <laughs> definitely Randy, a good divorce coach, a good attorney, attorney may have to bring in forensic folks. And I know that sounds like really off-putting because right away somebody's uh, consciousness goes into hundreds of thousands of dollars and it really is not what they think it is. Mm -hmm. A year down the road, if they're not, if they're now on the defense, it can get really expensive. And then people start to just grapple at things. They go on the internet and they just, they do things without really thinking. They kind of, a lot of knee jerk. They don't plan well. And it just, and then, and I call that kind of the down into the rabbit hole spiral where people end up. If they start from the beginning, or at least if you've been in it three or four months and you go, this doesn't feel right. You can pull it together so it does. I, I mean, I and I always say, there's going to be bumps. You're going to have bumps. It's going to be a bad dream, but it doesn't have to be a nightmare. And it doesn't have to be like a turbulent flight where everything's flying out of the you know, overhead compartments. So there is a way to mitigate this so it's not as horrifying. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people feel like they want to do this on their own. Please don't. If you're with a high conflict person, please don't. And what's interesting, Randy, and, and you and I've talked about this before. Oftentimes I'll talk mm -hmm. to people about their wedding and they'll tell me about the big wedding they had. They had a party planner. They had the caterers. They had the alcohol folks. They had the Uber driver. They had the limousine driver. They had the person who did their hair and did the girls makeup and where they got the dresses and the gifts. And I'm like, wow, look at this entourage you've had for a four hour event. And now you want to skimp on something that is really going to impact the rest of your life. Normal, healthy divorce. You can sit back, discuss it with your spouse. Say, look, I'm spending this money. Let's do what's great for the kids. You know, in the marriage, maybe it went south. I don't mean you know, geographically, but it went poorly. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you have some, but you guys get it. When somebody comes to me with a really high conflict divorce, they tell me about the years of abuse. This isn't the guy or woman just turned yuck in the past six months. You're right. This is something that has been going on a long time. So I feel like that's the way people do it. And the clients of mine who do have this team, so many times we will be in session and they will say, if it wasn't for my team, I don't know where I would be right now. Right. Because their ex has done something. They get triggered, but they have this support because your family support, your friends support. Remember, some of them have been further away. I have clients who have friends who they wanted to bring in as witnesses. Their spouse got to them first. Yep. Longtime friends, people wow. they went to college with. It's like, why is why is he on there? Wait a minute. Why are they not on my, my witness list? So your support system that way can be dwindling. Mm -hmm. But this is a support system that has your back. And if these people really understand, you're, you're validated. Right. And you and I team up a lot with clients. Um, they may come to you for the divorce situation and you may realize that they need more emotional help in this area or I somebody comes to me for emotional help and I, I realize that they need more help in the divorce area and so we team up and um, those cases for those people who really invest themselves in the team they do very well 
<clears throat> because you and I are going to catch things as they go. If you're trying to do this by yourself, you're going to make a lot of mistakes because everything's counterintuitive. It's very difficult to reason this out. It's not going to make sense to you. It makes sense to us, but it's not going to make sense to you because you don't do this all the time. And so, you know, it's very, um, it puts you off when you consult with a lawyer and they say, I'm $500 an hour. And the person's going, oh, you know, how am I ever going to pay for that? That is, I think what people don't realize is that you go for cheap, it's going to cost you more because you're going to get a terrible settlement and you're going to end up having to go with the very best lawyer there is to try to fix this if it's at all possible, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple things that people don't understand. So maybe this is the place to address it. Okay. Once you get divorced and the ink dries on your decree, everything in that decree is non-modifiable except for three things in most states. Okay? <clears throat> so I can't make an overarching, but in most states. or And I deal with people all over the world from Asia to Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand. But here's what's really consistent here in the States, and that is three things that are modifiable. Child support, custody, and spousal support. Those can, after the divorce, can be modified. Not every day, not every week. Maybe some states you can visit once a year, two years, three years. And that's because if you have a long journey with children, maybe people's jobs, situations change, uh, children get to be teenagers, and sometimes they want to live a little bit more with mom than with dad. And and couples work that out and go, you know, she's going through a phase. Let her stay with you for a little while. You deal with her better, you know. And and with so, with uh, collaborative humans and <laughs> people who work together, right. that works out really well. It's not going to work out with somebody in high conflict. What people don't understand is everything else is non-modifiable. So if you forget something with the house or bank accounts, you sort of let them slip out. And you know, yeah, well, I don't think he really stole that money. It just went somewhere. And then you find out after the fact, too bad. Now, there's a caveat to that. If there was absolute fraud and it's a lot of money, you can reopen the case. But guys, it's going to cost you legally. There's going to be legal. And an attorney, you're going to have to find an attorney who is willing who finds that this is a credible reason to reopen this case and pursue whatever you felt was unjust in the initial divorce. Let's just get it right from the beginning. Right. It is so much less costly if you have the right lawyer and you have the right team. You go in, you get it done. You just get it done and it's done right. And your lawyer knows where they have to cross all the T's and dot all the I's because narcissists look for holes in exactly in your case. They can find a pinhole and they will exploit it. So it's up to your lawyer to make sure that they cover all the bases for the future because they know what this person is going to want to do. And so you need to be legally protected. You know, it's interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You know, it's really interesting about that. The clients who are, you know, as we say, they have their little team, you know, and they're doing, there's so many times, and I always say to my clients, do not tell your client, your divorce, your attorney, you just say it's very high conflict. 
give them examples. They really understand what's going on. Just about all these clients come back to me at some point and say, you know, my attorney's like, we're dealing with a real narcissist here. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Because <laughs> they get it. They know what's happening. And also what's really great about this when you have this team, many times people will see a ruling or not even a ruling, but they'll see that um, there's a motion being made by the other side and they get so worried. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. When you have a really great lawyer that goes, please don't worry about that. You know, we don't have to worry about that. Or you or I or somebody who really gets this will say, wait, this is a red flag. This is trouble brewing or don't worry about that. Right. You know, it's harassment or they're just exactly, you know, it's just harassment. Exactly. Yeah. When they feel and often when they feel like they're losing, that's when All they the time. harass you. All the time. And what I tell people, because a lot of times they'll come to me in the very beginning, and I prefer to stay with people until their divorce is, I mean, it's up to them. They use me whenever they want. Uh, and they'll get the lawyer and they're like, I'm really good now. And I go, okay, they're going to ramp this up. <laughs> Settle down for a little bit, but this gets ramped up usually a couple months before, you know, before key dates, but definitely before the hearings, we start to see things ramp up. They want more information. They start to try and inundate you with paperwork, busy work. They want your medical records since you were 12. You know, I mean, it just. Right. right. That's not necessarily an exaggeration. No, your high school grades. You know? I mean, I've seen the craziest, but I've also seen attorneys who have said to my clients, you know, you really have to get that information. I'm like, no, you don't. You're 47. You don't need your 12th, you know, your seventh grade report card. You just don't need that. And so it takes, you know, a really great attorney to say, we're not doing certain things and some things we will and some things we right. won't. <laughs> exactly. And and that's the best advice you can get because mm. it, it, you tend to be alarmed every time you get a message or another, you know, filing or accusation and they keep coming because when the more... <laughs> The more they come at you in the end, the chances are the scareder, the more scared they are, the more they fear mm -hmm. you because they're going to lose. They know they're going to lose. And now they're just just trying to find anything they can on you. <clears throat> so that's what they perceive. You know, the whole thing is, as I always say to somebody, nobody loses, nobody wins. I wrote a little book called No One Wins. It's on Amazon. But you know, no one wins in these things. It's about how do we walk away as equitable as we can. But for somebody with a borderline, they have to win. They have to win, whatever that win is. And oftentimes we don't know. We try to figure out what is that win. Um, I, I want to just give a nugget. If you say to the high conflict person, all I care about, I don't, you know, don't, I'm not going to argue with you. All I care about are the kids. All that's my, they're coming after the kids. <laughs> that's right. You tell them, you tell them how to abuse you, how to hurt you the worst. <clears throat> Figure out what they want. <clears throat> There's ways we do that. Go that route. You use the word equitable. <clears throat> um, <it's, laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Um, <clears throat> do we want to hold out? I mean, everybody assumes that what's accumulated during the marriage is marital property and it should be split 50-50. <clears throat> is this going to happen in every case? No. It's not, um, you know, I've seen people hold out for, you know, you know she has to have the sofa. He wants to say, you know, and this goes back and forth. I'm like, you know, the sofa you bought at Ikea, 
it was a thousand dollars. You've now spent five thousand in attorney fees. <laughs> Why? How about this? You know, <laughs> would you've spent an attorney kept five of those? Now I understand. Now that's kind of an embellishment. I'm not being snarky, um, but we have seen things get a little ridiculous. But oftentimes, somebody's holding a piece of jewelry. They're holding something that they don't want to relinquish. The attorneys need to try to work that out. The high conflict person has your grandmother's ring. They're like, I don't know where it is, you know, but of course they know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, I, I, you know, I want the, I hope people can kind of get that 50, 50 thing out of their consciousness because it's, it's really about what is, what is fair for you so that you can have your life because every minute you give to fighting them <clears throat> is time you're taking away from your life. And I don't care if you're 27 or 87, we don't know how many days we have. We, we just know that. I am sure. And I give people the exercise, you know, if you had a week to live, what would you do in that week? And I can get, and nobody ever says, Oh, I'd keep fighting this stuff for, the, for a week. They wouldn't. This yeah. is the last thing they want to do for that week. Then why are we doing it now? Because this high conflict person, I always call them time bandits. Yeah. They're stealing your time. They're stealing your emotional time. You may not be in court, but you're up late at night. You're Googling narcissism. I mean, whatever you're doing, whatever you're Googling, you're up till two. A lot of emails that I get, I always make a notation of when I get them. When they're leaving, wherever they're leaving from, they're always two, three, four in the morning. Mm. Amazing. From wherever they're coming. I mean, because we get them from all over the world. But I'll notice if they say, you know, I'm coming from UK and then I do, we do the time conversion. I'm like, okay, they sent this at 1.30 in the morning. They're up all night they're, worrying yeah. about this, trying to mm -hmm. figure out what to do. And then they, then they contact you. Mm -hmm. Time bandit. Time bandit. Time bandit. That's right. It's a shame, you know, that someone has to go through this and, you know, you didn't ask for it. This is not really about you. And, you know, you have to understand who you have involved yourself with. And that's really the story. But as far as, you know, holding out for little things, your emotional safety, your peace of mind is that's the prize. If you get away with all of that, you have won because money can be gotten. In certain cases, it's more difficult, but you can't get back that peace of mind. And so really what you want to do is just get this done as equitably, equitably as you possibly can um, and then move on, like you said earlier. That's that's what's really important. You have one life, it's yours. They don't They don't get to have real estate in your head that's right you know they're they they don't they don't get to consume your life aha uh -huh, unless you let them and also think about it who else would you let treat you like this there are nine billion people in the world you don't need this one true. <laughs> you don't need you really this one. don't you don't need them get rid of well them. a lot of times people will say yeah but he was so funny he was so nice i'm like well let's go to target today because i can find 10 nice funny guys right there right exactly you know believe the negatives none of the positives you know right. i always say you know now let's draw a pie <laughs> and give me a slice of how nice they were you know 
in, in terms of the whole thing, you know, and they're like, well, it's probably like a sliver. I'm like, yeah, see, there's the perspective you need. <laughs> and here's one more, a couple more things I want to say. First of all, all my clients are people who would not take any of this off of anybody else. Right. That's true. You know, they, they're, they're successful in business or they, you know, they, they really have it solid everywhere in their life. And yet when it comes to this one individual, hmm. So I ask them, you know, this person's not good for you. Then, well, you know, I don't believe in divorce. Okay. <laughs> and, and I, I love marriage. I think marriage is wonderful, but when it's beating people up and somebody is clearly so full of conflict and so painful and making life so miserable, how is that a partner? Like you're going to bed with them at night. You're sharing a bed, a house, finances, and they're doing things to hurt you and betray you and deceive you and future fake you. Like what's up with that? That takes a little soul searching. Okay. A lot of work for you for their therapists. Yeah. Well, like why? But I'm a divorce coach. I'm also a private investigator. And sometimes I have to be, sometimes, a lot of times I have to be direct and say, look, you're going into the courtroom or you're going into a hearing. But Susan, I'm going to tell the judge, this is not SVU. A little, a lot of paper, paper shuffling before, you know, you'll be in and out and you'll say what happened. (laughs) And so it's, you know, let's, let's, let's get it so that this doesn't overcome your life. It's part of your life. And then you move past it. And you, and know, you have a great life after yeah. that. Then you have a great life. That's right. It is. It is great on the other side. And you know, what I know about you is you see through everything. It's amazing. <laughs> All your years of being a private investigator. I mean, you see through, you know, what's going on when you hear the story, um, you can pick it out. And that PI kicks in very quickly. So that's an advantage that you have over pretty much every other divorce coach, um, not to mention how good you are as a divorce oh. coach, but you have that <laughs> PI insight and you can sometimes think of a strategy based on that, that nobody else would think of, not even the lawyer. So um, that's an advantage for uh, people working with you. I, I love the lawyers. I always tell people, I go, I love the lawyers. I worked for lawyers as a private investigator who, who were my clients. They were attorneys who needed the who, what, where, when, how, and why for their cases. Like Susan, here's a name. Here's a, what's going on? I'll let you know in a few weeks. <laughs> you know, do we need cameras? I'll let you know in a few weeks. And I used, I did corporate investigations, but investigations are nonetheless still investigations. And what I learned very early on is that People are sort of the same. So if somebody's committing fraud one place, they're not great anywhere else. So if I was on a fraud case and I had to do surveillance and I'm following somebody, it's like, really? He's cheating on his wife. Oh, he's not paying child support for the first one. And I just filmed him kicking the dog. And so, right. There's a composite. There's a there's a picture there. Absolutely. Um, but so, sometimes people don't want to hear it. You know, what you don't want to hear, you need to know. That's so true. We've talked about, you know, how powerful denial can be. Um, Denial can really be deadly. It can. If you are seeing it, you need to find a way or find somebody to support you in a way that helps you to see it clearer and clearer, not 
you know, go back into your shell, not go into denial and just go, no, I'm going to put this off. Um, once you see it, you need to go forth with this because especially with narcissists, there's only one thing to do once you identify them and that's run. You've got to get away. There's, it will never get better and it is guaranteed to destroy you. So, um, so Susan, for those who want to work with you, how would they go about doing that? Just reach out to me. My social media is my name. We're working on a retreat for May. Looks like it's going to be the third weekend in May. More to come on that. It's going to be a four day pamper you with all kinds of experts to talk to you about how to divorce a narcissist. I'm so excited about this. I think it's the first one like this. Uh, and, and so you really can get a handle. I'm even going to have a health practitioner there really, really about what this does to your health. That's a whole huge topic. And um, it just is going to be wonderful. I'm so excited. And I know Randy is too. And she will be giving you more information. I'll have it on my social media. We'll have a website, ways to sign up. Yay, it'll be great. Um, <laughs> but if you want to reach out to me, every, you know, my website, my name, my Instagram, my name. SusanShoffer.com. That's it. Yep, absolutely. No, nothing crazy or weird that you have to think about. You have enough, you on, your the bottom of enough your, on your plate. <laughs> if you look at the bottom of her picture on the screen, her name is there. So if you don't know how to spell it, there it is. Yeah, so we're doing this retreat together. I'm very, very excited about it. Um, and I will definitely keep you all posted on how to go ahead and sign up. We're going to have early signups so that you can save some money if you do that. So I'll be letting you know. Susan will be letting you know. And if you want to work with Susan and you are going through this, SusanShepherd.com. Um, do you want to give your email or um, you'd rather them contact you through the website? Susan at SusanShepherd.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I wanted to give you the, the opportunity to say it. But it's yeah. so fancy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> email her, Susan at SusanShepherd.com. Um, and, uh, and she'll let you know if it's something she can, she can do. So uh, any any parting words of wisdom? I know we've talked about a lot. We have. And I guess my parting wisdom, if, the, if you want to call it wisdom, is this doesn't define you. Whatever this person is saying to you, calling you names, gaslighting you, telling you you're imagining things, this is your life. Even if you are imagining things, so what? This is your life. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> you're not. And take control of it. You know? Don't let somebody else do this to you. There are, and, and I have many clients who come back to me after several years and they're now dating somebody else mm -hmm. and they, they panic because there's no drama. I, I call what the high conflict person does is they create, I call it the Venn diagram, <laughs> high conflict divorce. They create, and it's, and it is, it's like a Venn diagram. It's, it's drama. Then there's chaos. They overlap in histrionics. Oh, wow. Okay. And so that's my little Venn diagram that I've created. And it really is that way. You do create drama and then there's chaos surrounding it. Nobody knows what's going on. And then there's histrionics. He or she is yelling outside in front of the children. And so oftentimes people will call me and they're like, I'm waiting for the, you know, they've done work on themselves. It's not like they're jumping into a relationship while they're still married, which is a big mistake to do. Please don't do that. There's a golden nugget for you. Don't do it. Don't do it. I know there's some people like that. Go ahead. Not with somebody who's high conflict. 
they're going to, you're dating somebody while you're going through the divorce. They are, go, well, we won't even go there. That's a whole, that's five podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. You know, you know I mean, that just, but once you've done work on yourself and you're, you're, you've met a different kind of person, you're not going from one high conflict person to another who just dresses differently. But I will, it's stunning how people will reach out and they'll say, I, like, I had a cold and he like brought soup and we watched Netflix and I'm like, okay, well, I get that's normal. That's normal. And sometimes people will say, boring. I'm like, don't we like, but let's like boring. <laughs> let's like that for a minute. <clears throat> you know, and that's probably something that you work with people. You know, you know, like, yes, I've come, to I've come to appreciate boring very much, very much, because uh, my life was first half of my life was drama, drama, drama. I like boring. Give it to me all the time. I'll take <laughs> it. I don't want that crap anymore. <laughs> that horrible exactly. stuff. Um, exactly. So, Susan, thank you. Thank Great you. Conversation, as usual, Susan and I do a room on the app Clubhouse. And we do it every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can come in. Um, we're going to talk to you. You can come into the room. You don't have to talk. You don't have to come up on stage. If you'd like to, you can raise your hand and come up. But sign up um, for Clubhouse and then follow us. And then you'll get notification and you can come into our room. It's really good. And you hear a lot of, there's people who are asking questions, but there's also people who are sharing their experience and preparing you and telling you what to really pay attention to. So um, that's a great thing. And uh, I look forward to the retreat. And um, thanks again. Thank you so much. Good luck with your podcast. It's great. Great Thank backdrop. You. <laughs> Thank All you. Bye-bye. Right,